Chromosomes. Little strands of nucleic acids and proteins are the fundamental genetic instructions that tell us who we are at birth. Most people are born with 46 chromosomes, but each year in the United States, about 6,000 people are born with an extra chromosome, making them a person with Down syndrome. If you've ever encountered someone with Down syndrome, you know that they are some of the kindest, most joyful people you will ever meet. They truly have something extra. My name is Lisa Nichols, and I have spent the last 24 years as both the CEO of Technology Partners and as the mother to Allie. Allie has something extra in every sense of the word. I have been blessed to be by her side as she impacts everyone she meets. Through these two important roles as CEO and mother to Allie, I have witnessed countless life lessons that have fundamentally changed the way I look at the world. While you may not have an extra chromosome, every leader has something extra that defines who you are. Join me as I explore the something extra in leaders from all walks of life and discover how that difference in each of them has made a difference in their companies, their families, their communities, and in themselves. I'm excited to have Elizabeth Haberberger on the show today. Elizabeth is the president of Dale Carnegie St. Louis. Well, Elizabeth, oh my goodness, I am so excited for this interview because you and I, we have got so many similarities and so much to talk about, and you are just such a delight, and I'm so glad that we were able to meet. I guess several people that we both know said, hey, you two need to know one another, and I still remember the first time you came into my office, and we just... Had an awesome chat. So I'm so excited for our listeners to get to know you today and understand a little bit about what you're doing. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Well, let's get started. So I know that you are one of seven kids and you aren't you the oldest? Yes, all girls too. Wow, your dad gets a double gold star. Yes, he does. Yeah. So I want you to tell our listeners a little bit about what that was like growing up. And I have said, your mom and dad need to be in the Hall of Fame or something, (laughs) because I know that they were huge influences on you. So tell our listeners a little bit about growing up. It was busy, to say the least. There was never a day where you could just sit and say, I'm bored. There's nothing to do or no one to play with. My mom was a stay-at-home mom my whole life. So we were very lucky. She was there to pick us up, take us to school, get us to practices. She would put dinner on the table every night. We would eat as a family. Like it didn't matter if we had practices, games, whatever. She would make dinner. We'd sit down and eat. My dad was always in sales, but he always made a point. He would be at every game, every speech debate, every class field trip. Like they were both extremely involved and They taught all of us from a very early age, one, the importance of family and surrounding yourself with people who love you and who give you positivity and support you. And two, uh, we learned independence very quickly. If you wanted to do something, okay, you want a peanut butter and jelly? Well, go make it. You want to figure this out? Well, go outside and start practicing. So from a very early age, they supported us 100% in whatever we wanted to do. But then they also 
they didn't do it for us. They made us go out and figure it out and fail and learn from it and try again and not quit and continue to try. I have said to you, those are good parents. Sometimes it's easier to do things yourself, but you're really not helping your children when you don't let them fail, when you don't let them do things on their own and figure it out. And I really seriously think that they were putting leadership qualities in you when you didn't even really know that they were. My mom, she made sure I did not have a second of free time. I, like you, I did gymnastics, I did dance, I did piano, I did voice lessons, flute lessons, guitar lessons, you name it. And so you tell a funny story where one time, you know, your mom from gymnastics forgot to even pick you up. (laughs) So we would always, we like got to pick, right? We couldn't do everything we wanted to do because then she would literally have been a taxi driver. So you know, you could do one thing all year. So I always did dance or gymnastics, and then you could pick one other thing. So after dance, your job would be to go out on the stairs and you would just, you know, wait until you see the big blue van and then you go get the van. Well, we knew that some nights you might go out there and some nights, I mean, it maybe happened like two or three times, but you'd go out there and you'd be waiting for five minutes, 10 minutes. And then you'd say, she forgot. And so you'd go in, you'd ask to use the phone, you'd call and she'd answer, Boshart residence. And you'd say, uh, mom. And then you'd hear, oh no. And she'd like slam the phone down and she knew right away. Oh, I missed you. So she missed pick us up. You know, but talking about like teaching you critical thinking skills and problem solving skills, I just laugh because I know there was a story in college where you were going into your apartment and there was a big spider on the front door. Yeah. You know, you call your mom and go, mom, there's a spider. And, and your mom said, figure it out. I'm 300 miles away. (laughs) Yeah. They were always there for us. Like I knew immediately I could call her but they also weren't going to solve my problems. Like they would be there to support and listen. But then at the end of the day, you have to do something about it, Elizabeth. What are you going to do? And if we weren't willing to do it, they weren't going to do it for us. So either we did it or it didn't get done. Right. Those are such great lessons for parents that are listening. But let's go in and start talking about your career. So I know you went into college thinking you were going to do something in marketing, but Then you ended up pivoting. So tell us about that journey. And then I really want to get into what you're doing today. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. My dad was always in sales. My mom, before she had me, was a teacher. And coming straight out of high school, I started selling Cutco knives. I loved it. I thought it was the coolest summer job. It was challenging. I got to make some money. And people had always told me, you are just like your dad. So I just thought, well, I don't know, I guess I'll go into marketing, do sales, marketing. It was about three years into college. I was about a year away from graduating. I vividly remember sitting in this class, it was marketing 350. I was down in Missouri State, I was sitting in the back row and we had a guest speaker come in. I don't exactly remember what he did, but he started asking people in the room questions. What do you wanna do when you graduate? And he calls on somebody and they had an answer like immediately. I want to work at a, you know, design firm doing marketing for them. And he calls on the next person and they know exactly what kind of marketing they want to do. And I remember sitting in the back of the room thinking, please, God, don't call on me because I have no idea. I don't know what I want to say. And so I thought, well, maybe I'm in the wrong place. 
So I started to decide, like, what do I want to do? If I don't want to do marketing, what do I want to do? I was coaching competitive gymnastics. I coached for about a decade. I loved it. So I thought, I love getting to work with these kids, be with them, develop these skills. You can't be a gymnastics coach. That's not a degree, but teaching is. I shifted to elementary education, graduated with a degree there, and I went on to teach fourth grade for the next four years. I'd always thought there were two things nobody really taught anyone, kids or adults. And I was very lucky to have my parents who taught me these things. And one was anything about money. You know, how do you buy a car? Should I just get 10 credit cards? You know, nobody teaches you that. And the second is anything about people. How do you just show up and talk to somebody? How do you get them to like you? How do you effectively communicate with people? And so I got into teaching thinking I, that's what I wanted to do. You get to do a little bit of that, but there's a lot of other stuff that goes into being an educator and it was not what I was supposed to do. There are lots of incredible teachers out there. So hats off to you because I understand how hard it is. I only did it for four years. So I knew I wanted to do something else. When you go into teaching, like your job is teacher. Right. But you know what? Everything we do is a preparation either to be excellent at that or for our next assignment. I look at that and I think, wow, what a great start for what you're doing today. So let's move into that. You decided you kind of did a full circle. So you think you were going into business, then you were a teacher, and then you circled back and then you ended up at Dale Carnegie. I did. So I didn't have any idea what Dale Carnegie business was. I had heard of the book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. My grandpa and my grandma, they actually took Dale Carnegie when they were young So my grandma and grandpa, I was always big with them, but I didn't really know what the business was. I just knew that it was kind of like teaching, but it was more for adults, soft skills, and they had a part-time opening. And that's what I really wanted. I had one, uh, we've got two kids now. We had one at the time and I thought, well, I guess this will be a good place for me to start and figure out what I want to do. So I started working part-time The very first night of my Dale Carnegie course that I took, within five minutes, I just remember looking up at my instructor and thinking, oh my God. I mean, it was incredible. Like just the passion and the energy. And then you start watching all of these other people that are going through this experience and they're changing and they're growing and you're changing, you're growing. And it's like, how do you not want to be a part of that? How do you not want to give that to other people? So I did. So I went from part-time to full-time. I moved from um, an operations role. I got certified as a trainer, got into the sales side of the business. And then two and a half years after I started, I took over the office. Yeah. They asked you, can you run the office? I think you talked to Andrew, your husband, about it. And he's like, well, I don't think that's a silly idea at all. I think you can do it. Yeah, because I said no at first. I said, no, I can't. I cannot do that. Right. And then I did. I just love it. But I want to back up for a minute because I want to talk about Dale Carnegie. I've not gone through any of the formal training, but, you know, I remember as a young business professional reading How to Win Friends and Influence People 
a long time ago. And when people come into our organization now, that is one of the books I always say, go get that book. Elizabeth and I would both recommend, if you have not read that book, get that book. I just promise you, you're going to learn a lot. So this book, and Elizabeth and I have talked about this, it really does not mean that you had to start at the very beginning because the book is really a book of principles. So you can start right in the middle. And you told me, I could tell every principle... (laughs) in order. But can you pick just a few of them off the top of your head that are your favorites? Yes. So the whole book's divided into three sections. There's 30 principles that he wrote. First section is all about becoming a friendlier person. So getting people to like you. Second section's all about willing cooperation. How do you win people to your way of thinking? And then the third set is all about inspiring action. How do you get people thinking or doing things differently? So in those 30 principles, if I had to pick two that would be my favorite, the first one, it's principle number nine, make the other person feel important and do it sincerely. So in order to do that, you've got to know who somebody is. But that's really one of his principles that if you can make someone feel important in a very sincere way, they're going to be there for you when you need it. So that would be one of my favorites. And then the other one that I love is principle number 17. Try honestly to see things from the other person's point of view. Not always easy to do, but when we truly can put ourselves in someone else's shoes, it allows us to better empathize with them, better connect with them and better help them get whatever they want, whatever they're trying to do. And I say, try to be more interested than interesting. Yes. You know, and a lot of people are saying, oh, you know, I want to tell all about me. And then the other thing I was thinking about 17, you know, it's the whole Maya Angela, yes. you know, quote. People will not necessarily remember what you say, but they'll remember how you made them feel. Mm -hmm. So important. So thank you for sharing those. And Elizabeth and I both love the book. So go get the book. We've got so much more to talk about, but we need to take a quick break. And then we'll be right back with Elizabeth. We at Technology Partners understand the difficulty to find work that is engaging, yields high pay, and facilitates a work-life balance. Over the past 25 years, we have enhanced the IT teams of over 244 client companies and placed more than 3,000 IT professionals with them on short-term or permanent basis. Our staff includes over 300 experienced IT professionals. So if you're looking to take the next step in your career, visit jobs.technologypartners.net, apply for a job, and one of our expert recruiters will be happy to connect with you. So Elizabeth, you decided to jump onto the entrepreneur wagon and you weren't just running the Dale Carnegie, you actually bought the business. So what was that journey like? I bought the business in January of this year, right? Talk about timing. And I kind of just said, you know what, if I can get through this, I'm going to be able to get through anything. So John Sedgwick is one of my big mentors, and he had talked to me about buying the business. And again, I said, no. I said, I'm not ready. I don't think I want to. I really just sat back and thought about the fact that what we do has such an impact on people's lives. And I want to be a part of that. I want to have a career that I love. And there are so many people who don't. 
they don't get that chance. And maybe it's because they don't go out and try to find it, but they don't have a job that they love. I know that corny saying, right? If you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. And I believe it. And so I wanted to do something that I was passionate about and that I loved. And so I said, I'm all in. So I know that probably in our listening uh, audience, there are people out there that are going, well, I wish I loved my job, but I just, I feel stuck. And I know for you, you talk about, there's a couple of times in your life where you felt stuck. Do you have any advice for people if they're sitting there going, you know, I'm just not passionate about what I'm doing. What would you say to them? So if if you're feeling stuck, like you don't know where you're going, the first thing we've got to figure out is where do you want to go, right? If you don't know where you're going, you could either end up going in the wrong direction or worst of all, you end up going nowhere at all. And then five years from now, you look back and say, I wish I would have. So the first way to get yourself unstuck, and we get to do this with people all the time, is you have to have a written out vision. What do you want from your life? What are the things that you want to be doing? Look out 18 months from now. Where do you want to be? What kind of job do you want to have? What kind of lifestyle do you want to have? What do you want your family to be like? How do you want to feel about work? How do you want to feel physically, mentally? And write it down. Writing it down is step one. Step 1.2 is you have to tell yourself your vision. You have to actually know it. Dale Carnegie says our thoughts make us who we are. So instead of spending the time thinking about, oh, this is really hard right now. I'm feeling stuck. I don't like this. Well, that's all our brain starts thinking. And then that's what happens. We stay stuck. We don't like this. If we start getting out of that pattern, we've got this vision for who we want to be and what we want to do. That's step one to get there. I agree. It's so important. Know where you are, know where you want to go, and then let's work on that gap. Yeah. And so we say all the time, we've got something we call the cycle of performance improvement. So figure out your vision, where you want to go. Then you've got to have the right attitude to get there. And you can't just say, oh, that it would be nice if I had a job I liked. Or, you know, or it would be nice if I got that. You have to say, I'm going to. I'm going to make this happen. Then comes knowledge. You might have to learn something new. Maybe you don't have the skills right now. So you got to get the knowledge, but knowledge isn't power until it's applied. So then you have to practice. And so often people try to practice on their own. Practice with a coach, get a peer. We've got to find people who can help us to practice so that we're practicing in the right way. One of my favorite quotes, people say practice makes perfect. They are liars. It doesn't. Practice makes permanent. And so what are the things that you're practicing? And if we're practicing the wrong things, it's going to be so much harder to get to that vision. So we've got to make sure we're practicing the right things. And oftentimes you have a coach or someone there helping you do that. Great advice. So you talk a lot about growth and getting out of your comfort zone. And I've got something else I want to talk to you about the comfort zone thing, something you're doing that I just think is so cool. But you've got an analogy that you use with a lobster. Can you tell our audience that analogy? Yep. So lobsters have really hard shells. Big lobsters have big shells. Little lobsters have little shells. But a lobster shell can't grow. Like the shell can't get bigger. So what happens is that a little lobster starts to grow. And all of a sudden it's like, ooh, this thing's getting a little tight. Like it's just kind of uncomfortable. But it keeps going. And then, you know, a little bit later it's like, okay, this is getting really uncomfortable, very tight. 
until the lobster finally gets to the point where it says, you know what, I cannot take this anymore. It's so uncomfortable. It's so tight. And a lobster will shed its shell. Now, this is really dangerous for a lobster. It really opens itself up to be vulnerable because without the shell, it's open to predators. Predators can find it. But it has to take that shell off. And then the first time, they don't even, they don't know what's going to happen, but a new shell will grow. A bigger shell will grow. And the lobster has to do this over and over and over again in its life. And we're no different, right? If we want to grow, we have to be willing to take off the shell. We have to be willing to get a little vulnerable, a little uncomfortable. Yes, right. So now I don't think this makes you uncomfortable. I think you are a natural because of your gymnastics background and your dance background. But something that I just recently learned about you is that you auditioned for American Ninja Warrior. I did. I sent it a tape. <laughs> That's awesome. Did they accept that? Well, this year they had with COVID, they had to change the whole format. So I'm, I'll submit another one this year um, for the show that'll be in 2021. We'll see what happens. It definitely puts me out of my comfort zone when I'm there because I've got a lot of growing to do there still. But yes, that is definitely one that puts me out of my comfort zone. So come uh, maybe check out the show next year. I don't know. Maybe I'll be on. Maybe I won't. Well, we'll be all rooting for you if you are. If there's somebody out there that says, I want to do that, there is a facility, right? In Chesterfield. And it's called, what is it called again? It's called Ultimate Ninjas. They have kids classes and they have things for adults staff there, coaches there are all incredible. I cannot say enough good things about that place. Ultimate Ninjas. And you've got two children, Elizabeth, and you said Jack, your son, thinks he's a ninja, right? (laughs) Yes. We've called him the monkey man ever since he was little and he lives up to the name. That's awesome. That's awesome. So talk about getting out of your comfort zone, but I bet you are having the time of your life and you're getting super fit and doing it too. So one other thing that I want to talk about before we talk about something extra, you know, we've all had to pivot to working from home. And, you know, some people have said, you know, it's harder to stay productive. Other people think that they're more productive. I mean, do you have some productivity tips for people working from home? If they, if they're just saying, how can I get more from my time? What would you say to them? One, there's a great book by Daniel Pink called When. That's an incredible book on time management. Um, a few things that anyone can do at home, set boundaries, all of these tips are going to be simple. Simple doesn't always mean easy, but have a boundary. Where is work at home? Maybe you have an office, maybe you're at the dining room, but what are work hours and what are family hours or home hours? And when work is done, turn it off. Dale Carnegie calls that day tight compartments, right? What I'm going to focus on today and where I'm at right now, be where your feet are would be another one. So if you're sitting in front of your laptop doing work, be there. And then when you go out to be with the kids and the family, be there. So set some boundaries for when you're working and when you're not working. And then two, stay in contact with people. Whether you're doing Teams meetings, you do Skype chats, whatever that is, try to keep some of that normal connection, those normal meetings, so that you do have that sense still of, what I'm doing matters. I'm so grateful for platforms like Zoom and some of these type platforms because I feel like I'm still, I mean, it's not like where I can touch you, but I'm still seeing your face. I'm still seeing your expressions and it's fun. I mean, it's, I, I feel like, 
I'm just as connected. And so I know I have said to some of our team that has had a hard time, I'm like, well, set up some meetings with people, you know, just check in. How are you doing? Yeah. We say right now, do you check in on people? Don't check up on them. Yeah. I love that. Right. We don't need to check up and say, Lisa, what have you been doing? Just check in. Just see where people are at. I agree. Well, Elizabeth, this is something extra. So I have to ask you, what do you believe is the something extra that every leader needs? Enthusiasm. Dale Carnegie said that enthusiasm was the little known secret of success. And I wholeheartedly believe that if you show up and you are just on fire about what it is that you're doing and you're having fun and you bring that energy everyone else around you is going to feed that right back to you. So when we can show up with enthusiasm, it's going to feed to everyone else on our team. Well, that's just something you're really short on. You need to be a little bit more enthusiastic, Elizabeth. Honestly, that's why I love you because you are, you're just so passionate and it comes through. It really, really does. And I know it comes through to your students, your clients, your employees, all of that. So I love that. Well, thank you. So I want to give you the opportunity and this can be anything, but if you, you know, want to tell our audience about anything that's coming up or anything that they might be able to get involved in. Dale Carnegie has lots of different programs on leadership, management, sales, communication, and looking at 2020, we know people are starting to determine what are our goals? What are the things that we're going to focus on? So if you're looking for some development in any of those soft skill areas for you, for a team, for your organization, reach out to us. We get to work with tons of businesses here in St. Louis, across the country and across the whole world. And so um, we'd love to see what we could do to help you reach your goals. Very good. So how would they contact you? Just Dale Carnegie St. Louis. What's the URL? Yep. So you can go to stlouis.dalecarnegie.com. You can also find me on LinkedIn. I'm pretty active there. So you can see a bunch of stuff from me there too. Very good. Well, I hope we have a lot of our listeners that will join you in, in some of those classes. So Elizabeth, this has just been so much fun. Thank you so much for making the time. And uh, I just think I could spend hours and hours and hours with you. So thanks so much for being here today. You're welcome. Thanks, Lisa. Thank you for listening to today's show. Something Extra with Lisa Nichols is a Technology Partners production. Copyright Technology Partners, Inc. 2019. For show notes or to reach Lisa, visit tpi.co slash podcast. Don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you listen.